Hi, I'm Jamie Rutt, and welcome to the Bliss Society Podcast. You will learn tools and techniques to find your bliss and hear real-life experiences on how my guests have found theirs. My goal is to take you from feeling stressed out to feeling blissed out. Welcome to the Bliss Society. I'm your host, Jamie Rutt. And today my guest is Rajiv Satyal. And Rajiv, I like to start off my podcast by introducing you with three key words. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So your three words are husband, mentor, and comedian. Do you agree with those? I do. I don't think anybody's introduced me that way before, especially in that order, but I love it. And my wife would love that. Wow. First of all, we could just stop right there with the, the way I'm feeling. I am feeling very blissful with you, with your compliments. That really does feel nice to hear. So thank you for that. You know, I always think of multitasking as a cover for insecurity. I think a lot of us go, hey, you know what? This project might have gone better, but I was doing four or five different things. And the reality is if we focus a little bit more, we then it's scary, right? It's a cover for insecurity because it's scary going, oh my gosh, but I'm putting my whole life into this. So I'm launching an online show, an online talk show for myself called The Man in the Middle. And we're going to cover pop culture, comedy, politics, philosophy. And I'm just pouring myself into that project. And that's been my focus for the last few weeks and hopefully the next few months. Oh, it's beautiful. And now is it going to be daily, weekly, monthly? What is it? So in an ideal world, it would be weekly. I'm generally not drawn to daily shows as much because it's hard to come up with content on the reg like that. I don't know if anyone does it all that effectively, ultimately, without naming names. But I think in the interim, I probably would do it monthly and just make the best show I can make and hopefully get picked up. And they go, well, do you want to keep doing it monthly? It's like, no, I'll do it weekly, but you got to give me some, some resources. Tell the world what your background is. Jamie, you and I have a lot in common. It is funny because we both have an engineering degree. I believe yours is in mechanical. Is that right? I'm industrial. Industrial. And you worked at GM, right? Correct. Okay, yes. good. I'm glad I got the right American car company and didn't say another one. So GM and you're from Michigan. Yes. So I'm from Ohio. I worked at a similarly large company in terms of advertising as well, Procter & Gamble, P&G, and I got a degree in materials engineering. So people make fun of us in the same way, industrial and materials. That's not real engineering. So you and I can relate to that, but it is real engineering after all for both of us. And so I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati kid through and through, University of Cincinnati, and worked at P&G. I turned 30. I flipped out. I thought, oh my gosh, I've spent my entire life in Ohio. And I moved to California in 2006. And I've been doing stand-up comedy full-time for 14, going on 15 years. That's amazing. And I moved to Los Angeles in 2005 and got laid off from an engineering job. And then I pivoted and became self-employed and ran a performance company and taught Pilates and all of that since then as well. So we really do. We're like twinsies. We're like career twinsies. We're career twinsies. I know. Absolutely. It is. It's It's crazy. When I remember meeting you and thinking, gosh, we do have a lot. Our stories are very similar. Yeah, we bonded. We yeah. bonded over that. Yeah. And we would have often have meeting of the minds. I always love those too. Yes. Like just good creative powwows. All right. So in that journey, uh, it sounds like as we have similar uh, journeys, have you come to maybe some advice or some insight? I Big life lessons. So I really feel very, very strongly about honesty. And what I mean by that is 
really listening to what people are telling you. There is, I believe whatever success I have is because I've been very opening to listen, listening to what people are saying. And your friends can honestly be your harshest critics. They're your biggest supporters, but they're your harshest critics. And you got to, at that moment, set aside the ego and allow, really listen to what they're saying. Because you know, there are, I think there's a difference between believers and supporters. Supporters are people who, they kind of have to, right? It's your spouse, like you're saying, I'm a husband. It's your parents. It's your friends. They're going to support. But belief is something that happens in their eyes over time, you know, and I've had people say that to me, whoa, you're really doing it. And when you come off stage, if you're dancing and if I'm performing comedy or hosting or whatever, you definitely get those moments from people where you know if it was a 7 out of 10. It's like, they're like, wow, that was really good, right? You know when it's an 8, when they're going, wow, you can really do this. It's a 9 when they are just, you know, almost speechless, but they are just like blown away. And then it's a 10 when they're just silent, when it just, you can't even, they're just like, wow, you really just, you you that's life-changing, right? And so I think it's important to listen to what people are really telling you because that's going to direct like how much are you telling people or how much are you listening? And it's hard because in comedy, we're paid to talk, right? We're not paid to listen. That's why I think therapy would be such a hard job for me. But I was thought of myself as like a therapist. I'm like, I want to listen to people for an hour. I want to talk for an hour. And so that would be hard for me. But I think listening is is really key and, and being honest with people and then being able to receive that. Honesty. Ooh, that's great. Yeah, I always, you know, I have my team of like five people that I ask the serious questions like, hey, like, am I am I wrong in thinking like this? especially people who have a history with you and know your personality and how you navigate things. And though, and it's right. It's like, I'd rather someone be completely brutally honest with me where I might have to go home and go, man, okay. Rather than someone who's like, no, 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 you're wonderful. It's great. Or the project you're working on is great. You know, I always like when someone has notes for me, especially when you're working creatively, I love, cause then like you're saying, I know they're paying attention I know they were looking at it from the big picture going, you know, it could be a little bit better. Or maybe have you tried this? And that's really important to sit there and go and think about it, you know, because sometimes it makes it better. You're like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought to do it that way. They have your best interest. You're right. They have your best interest at heart. And, and of course, you have to check that with people and check in and like, do they really or people gaslighting you or whatever it is. But if they're truly people who love you and you love them, I mean, our mutual friend, Eric Thorlin is probably my biggest critic. And it's just always like, oh, my gosh, like, I feel good. And then he's like, yeah, but this and after the last show I did, he, I go, OK, give it to me, man. I like have to roll up my sleeves. Listen. He goes, no, man, I'm down with the show. That was great. It was your best show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got Eric to like my show finally. He goes, no, man, I'm down with it. That was really, really dope. And, you know, you, you finally win that those people over. That's what I mean between supporters and believers. He came to all the shows, but he always had notes. And it's not like he didn't have any notes, but it was, you know, he was like, this is this is legit. It, it's, it's good the way you have it. Yeah, because I think our friends, too, know just through like life conversations where where our vision is, like where we want to get. And sometimes they'll see the journey like, okay, I, I see you're getting there. And then when they finally see you kind of hit that groove, it's like, what, what's that saying? Like, um, you know, you're a 10 year overnight success, right? Yeah, right? So it's like, you're, you're constantly working and trying things and working and trying things and, and your friends have been there for the long haul. They see that progression, mm -hmm. right? Or finally, I think, you know, at this point in both of our lives, I think we have that moment where friends go, oh yeah, yeah. 
that's that's you. You're doing you now, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you have to figure out your voice as you as a creative, right? In a noisy landscape of trying to like be that individual authentic self. So I definitely well, they say the same thing. They all, you know, totally. Uh, they always say that we're there are three types of people in this world: those who can count and those who can't. No, what they say is there are two <laughs> types of people in this world, and you know, there are people who can laugh at themselves and people who cannot. And I try not to be friends, or I avoid people who can't laugh at themselves because you got to be able to just, you know. Don't take yourself so seriously. And I think that, you know, from 06 to probably 2010, I did. I, w- I was very sensitive because because you you are insecure. Just admit to yourself that this is scary. You left GM. You left Procter & Gamble. You left a very solid company. You are going to be insecure. And, and embrace that. Lean into that and and allow that to be there. Don't worry. Like, you're, you're going to be a little defensive. You're going to be a little bit scared. And of course you are. You're a human being. I mean, it's it's scary to come out to Los Angeles three time zones away and 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 try your hat, you know, throw your hat in the ring. It's it's not easy. So I think just being honest with yourself and realizing where you are, that's that's part of the journey, man. That's part of the fun. I know in in that journey for me, always I'm a, I'm a I figured this out at 42 years old that I am a solution provider. Like I am that person like for myself, like and this pandemic actually has been a is what kind of hit it home for me because when everything was like shutting down, shutting down, shutting down, and I wasn't able to work, I thought, how can I work? How can, how can I, mm-hmm. what can I do? What, what can change for me? That's the first thing I did that I think came from a history of being a performer and being self-employed where you're always creating the next project. You're creating the next thing. You're creating the next idea. And I know for me, it, it helps me to be successful. I think for some of my friends, it drives them crazy because if they come to me with a problem, I do listen. And then I'm always <clears> like, okay, here's what you could do. You could try this. You could try this. And sometimes they just look at me like, yeah, no, I, I didn't want that. I just wanted to complain. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny because that's usually what men get in trouble for a lot. And there was that great sketch a few years ago called The Nail, where the woman had the nail in her forehead and the man is trying to help her. Like, well, you have a nail in your forehead. And she's like, well, you just listen. It's amazing. And, you know, actually at PNG, I had uh, my two up manager, my boss's boss. He was really good about this. He said to me, and he had like these 17 rules for working with him. And a lot of them were, you know, you could, some of them were forgettable. But one of them that changed my life was he said, I am your boss's boss. I'm essentially your boss, like your big boss. And he goes, I wear three hats. And when you come into my office and you give me a memo, if you hand me a memo, I am evaluating the memo as your boss. I am in evaluator mode. I'm in judging mode because that's what I am. But I have two other hats I can wear. If you write draft at the top of your memo and you come in and say, hey, this isn't finished. I want to work with some work on some ideas with you. I'm now in sounding board mode. I'm not judging you. I'm not evaluating you. I'm here to brainstorm and have a back and forth. And then there's a third one. I wear a venting hat. You just want to come in here and you want to put your hands behind your head, put your feet on my desk and talk about how much this place sucks. I will commiserate with you. I will not give you any solutions. I will just let you bitch and complain and moan. And I will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it sucks. And I took that into my personal life too. And you got to be careful taking your professional into your personal life. But I feel like the miscommunications people have are exactly that. You didn't tell me what hat to wear. And when Hersha, my wife says, look, I just need you to listen. All right, I'm, then I'm listening. You're venting, you're bitching about this person at work, whatever. I'm not giving you any solutions. And other times she's like, hey, do you want to work on this thing with me? So I think telling people what hat to wear, man, we could probably avoid 80% of fights in life. 
and it's a slow process. Like it really hit home this year, but I was kind of like coming to that, like, Oh, sometimes people don't want my opinion or, you know, so I really tried to pay attention. And if they were asking my advice, I would be like, all right, I'm in it. I'm in engineer Jamie mode. And then sometimes I would know, I would start to feel like, Oh yeah, they don't, they don't want a solution. They just want to talk, you know? So it's true. I think that is learning how to communicate like that is, is life-changing and it, and it helps to create bliss, right? If you really tell people, you have to tell people what you need. We all have different languages, right? We all have different, like I am an Aries and I'm fiery. And sometimes I walk into a room and I'm like, and people are looking at me like, then they'll go to give me advice. I'm like, no, no, no. I think I figured it out. <laughs> and then I'll like, stop them. Like, right. nope, I don't need you now. <laughs> We're extroverts. Oh, you, you, we say something out loud and we see how it sounds. I mean, my wife and I had a very long conversation last night about, and I, I just had to get some stuff off my chest, right. To what we were just talking about. And it's like, sometimes you just have to see how it sounds. And she's very good at that. She's allowed, like allows it to sit there. I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going to wake up. And I woke up today in a much better spot. And it wasn't between me and her. It was all the other stuff that's going on in the world. And ultimately I just kind of went, wow, you know, I'm, I just had to get that off my chest. I just had to say, and she's like, well, where does that lead? And where does that go? And blah, blah, blah. And your mental state and, and bliss. I mean, some of the stuff that we're talking about here and you're just kind of going, well, that's, that's, that's reality. And sometimes just saying it out loud, you kind of go, I don't know if I want to be that kind of person. I don't think that was such a good idea. And, you know, she knows I'm going to come to that conclusion on my own and it's better. She knows it's better if I draw that conclusion on my own than yeah. if somebody tells it yeah, to me. Yeah, so agreed. Okay, so now, do you believe in the concept of serendipity? So that is a great question. It is one of life's probably unanswerable questions. I have a take on it that I haven't heard anyone else say, and maybe because it's so stupid, but I like to believe that it is so smart, or at least it's so different, which is, I think, and, and I don't mean to dump on the question. I mean this really. I think it's an irrelevant question, just like fate. And, you know, just like Slumdog Millionaire and, you know, is fate written and all those kinds of things. I believe everything happens for a reason. But what people will say to you, I read this thing every morning called Desiderata. And it, and it, and it goes, part of it goes, and I remember when they asked Morgan Freeman, I think it was Piers Morgan, his talk show, and they asked me, he's like, you play God a lot. Does God have any advice? And I was so thrilled when Morgan Freeman quoted this line from Desiderata, which I think is the meaning of life. And he says, whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Ooh. I take so much bliss. I take so much from that. And when I'm Going crazy, I remember that line. And what people forget when they're like, well, everything happens for a reason. People get really mad. They go, oh, shut up. You don't know that. Will you shut up, man? As Biden said to Trump, will you <laughs> shut up, man? People say that stuff. And I go, look, what you're missing here is the first part of it, whether or not it is clear to you. It does not mean it's going to be for an immediately or ever discernible reason that it happened. It happened for a reason in the grand scheme of things. So we can try to outthink fate and figure this out. And like Steve Jobs said, we look back and connect the dots later. But ultimately, I describe myself as a hindsight fatalist. I have a just do it attitude, probably like you, Jamie, going into everything. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it happen. Just do it, all that. But then if it doesn't happen, I go, well, it wasn't meant to be. And some people go, well, that's kind of a cop out. I go, no, but isn't that the way you're supposed to be? You're supposed to go into every show. What I tell myself right before I go on stage is, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my first line, blah, 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 blah. And let's pray. Let's hope it goes great. 
But the last thing I tell myself before I go out there is it's going to go how it's going to go. Right. It's going to go how it's going to go. And I think ultimately that's the secret is being in it and understanding that it's going to go the way it's going to go. If I wouldn't have come out at the age of 30 and come out here and done that, would I have found out some other way to do it? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think something would have led me out here regardless. But I don't know. Maybe I would have met, yeah, I hate to say with this her, with her now, maybe I would have met some other woman of my dreams and, and gotten married and had kids and gone in a completely different direction and been happy with that. It, it's always fascinating to think that through, but I do shudder at the thought of what I would have become if I would have just stayed there yeah. and followed my fear instead of following my hope. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing. Like you following your instinct, like trusting your gut, like you knew you had to make a change, you know, and sometimes, you know, taking, like you were saying, taking that first step, like, we don't always know what the next step is. But one thing that I've learned over time is we can always figure things out. Like you're going to, I'm going to go in this direction. And then whatever comes at me at this point in life, I feel like things can always be figured out, right? There's always somebody there to give you advice. There's always someone there to help you. It's like, it's not the end of the world. If like, I've been giving this advice to my nieces and nephews because they're you know, one is in college and then one is like in high school. And I'm like, listen, you can have many careers in your life. You can have many things in your life. Like, look at me. I'm the perfect example, but you have to do things that inspire you. You have to do things that help you grow. And, you know, and even with the, the younger kids in school, like, and you don't have to be good at everything. Like you don't have to be great at math. You don't have to be great at chemistry. It's okay. If you excel in one area, not the other. And I think I'm hearing myself say this to them thinking like, man, I wish I would have had that advice when I was their age because I was such a perfectionist and I had to like be perfect at everything. And it was not instilled in me. Like my parents aren't like that. They didn't say that to me. It was just innate Hmm. in my nature. And I have, Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. thought about like where that came, where did that come from? Like it just was always this drive in me. So I look back at that and go, Oh, I wish I would have had that advice. But then eventually again, probably for me when I was like 25, 26, I started just living like, here's what I want to do right now. I want to be happy. I want to do something that inspires me. And I started to make those changes. Um, they weren't always easy, man, were they not easy? (laughs) So, but I think that's important to always stress that to people who are, um, you know, following your path. It's, it's not always the easiest way. There are easier ways. Um, Sometimes strive for excellence, not perfection. You know, I, I heard that at the age of 18, I stopped becoming a perfectionist, but I still strive for excellence in too many things. And when my wife or anyone else is just kind of like, but are, do you really want to take this on? It's a lot of times it's unacceptable for me to say no. It's like, no, but I am supposed to also do that. Mm -hmm. And you, you define yourself like you're saying a husband, a mentor, a comedian, but then also you're a son, you're a brother, you're a citizen, you're a friend, all these other things. And a good friend does this. A good citizen does that. And it's a lot like Kamala Harris said in her speech. It's a lot. And it's just such a simple phrase, but it is a lot. And there's a lot weighing down on us right now. But I think what we have to keep in mind is this is America for now. And <laughs> as far as that goes... <laughs> You're, they say you're two moves away from bankruptcy at all times, but and that's a scary way to, to put it. That said, it is America. Like, there are always opportunities. And if you screw up, 
you can get back on track. Yeah. Very, very few decisions are irreversible. Having kids, oh yeah, yeah, bring a kid into this world, that's irreversible, right? right? The kid's here, that's that. <laughs> but even a marriage is not irreversible. A job, a move, a whatever, a friendship, a relationship, that's all reversible. Yeah. You can go back to what you were. Uh, you're not going to stop being a parent. That's that's probably impossible. But right. you, everything else that you've chosen can be undone. And so try it. And I think the other thing people uh, hear is like, sometimes you don't have to do something different. You have to do what you're doing differently. Mm. Right. So when people are like, should I make this leap? I'm like, is there a way to approach your life where you're in it right now that would just be more fun? Maybe take it less seriously. Maybe just it's sometimes it's not an overhaul. It's just a tweak. It's just a couple things that will just just change the margins a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I was reading Stephen King's on writing. This, this fool reads like 65 books a year. And I did the math. And of course, you and I are engineers. It's not that hard. That's like an hour a day. And so if you watch two hours of TV a day, watch an hour of TV, read a book for an hour, and you too could read like a book a week. It's not that hard. And I think people think they need to change their entire lives and need to buy a smoking jacket and a pipe and get the right kind of lighting and then they could be readers. It's like, no, not really. You can download an app on your phone and you can start reading 100 pages a day. And it, it, it's not as hard as you imagine. One of these ads. And, and I worry because a lot of what I see is people are like, you know, live your dream life, quit your job, start your own business. And I'm like, okay, it, that, that'll be happiness. And that'll be bliss. And I'm like, all right, you don't have like you're saying you don't have to uproot your entire life to find bliss. Let's start with something because some people's nature that's not in their nature. So like, let's start with something simpler. Like maybe you go for a walk every day. Like maybe you first find out like what your happiness truly is. Like it doesn't necessarily mean it's starting your own business. Because let me tell you, that can be a very lonely place when you're self-employed and doing everything yourself. And unless you have, sometimes you might have coworkers and things like that, that you hire, but for the most part, it's you, your success is, is you, it's all on you. So, um, I do see that a lot. And especially as soon as the pandemic hit and jobs, people were being laid off. I got like a hundred emails a day on how to start online businesses from all these different companies. And I was like, y'all need to chill out right now. Like, I get it. Let us breathe for a minute. Like I already have those businesses and it's, it's not an overnight thing. It's, you know, you have to relearn everything and that's sometimes not for everyone, uh, you know? So yeah, so I agree with you in the sense of like, you don't have to uproot everything to find happiness and bliss. It can be something small. And that's where I think people get overwhelmed. Like I've had people say, well, I don't know what bliss is. I don't know what happiness is. And it's like, okay, well, we're just going to start with something very simple. Like what makes you happy to do first thing in the morning? Have a cup of coffee in silence. Great. Mm -hmm. That's happiness to you. Done. Simple. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be anything bigger mm -hmm. than that. Right? Sure. So, sure. It's, it's simple. Sure. Do you have any slogans or mottos that you live by? My mission is to make as many people laugh and think as I can. And it's funny in interviews, I tend to get all serious and comedians tend to get serious in interviews. It's always funny. People are like, I'm going to listen to this interview with this comedian. It's like, well, that guy was pretty serious. It's like, yeah, I mean, I think because there's a lot behind the joke, right? The jokes are what you see on stage, but there's so much philosophy. There's so much stuff you're trying to pack into that joke, which is why we're a 
turbocharged version of that for an hour. You're like, how can it be funny for an hour? It's like, well, because for the other 23 hours you're preparing or you're sleeping or you're living your life or whatever else. I mean, I like to believe I'm funny in real life too. And I, I enjoy that. But I, I think to make people laugh, to make people think that that's an important thing for me. At the end of the day, though, it's also the the crowd has fun when you have fun, right? And my best friends and, you know, when you and I hang out or our friends, we have a group of people, whatever it is, it's all about the laugh, man. The people that you laugh the most with, that that's what I live for. I live to laugh. And if you went through a day without laughter, what was the point of that day? Like, it, you have to kind of be able to step back and go, if this happened to a mm -hmm. guy in a movie, you'd be laughing your ass off. Like the way you just tripped a little bit or the way you almost caught that red light, but you just can't get one today. You'd be laughing so hard, right? It's And that's what they mean by Zen, Buddhism, Buddhism, detachment, those kind of things. Just being detached from it and just being able to laugh at yourself, right? That's what we're saying. But I struggle with that. It's hard. That is my battle. When you're in it and you've got a lot to do, it's it's hard. I, I get angry. I get irritated. I and and, you know, it, and I think it comes out the best. Your best self is I mean, back when we could travel, it was running into, you know, the, the customer service person at the rental car counter or the Uber driver or whatever it is. And, you know, when something didn't go your way, did you were you a dick about it or did you find a way to make a joke, you know, make that person's day. And I've done this before where I got to the front of a counter of a long line and I looked at the person and I said, okay, you know what? Why don't we just take 30 seconds? You can pretend like you're helping me, but just look down at your Aww. keyboard and just take 30 seconds for yourself. And yeah. people really appreciate that. It's like, oh my God, like, thank you, man. And it's like, if you can do that for other people, that'll also make you feel good. But man, that person just, that's, you get to leave. As soon as you're not with this line, you're not at work right now. That person's at work. This kind of sucks for them. And if you can find a way to introduce joy into other people's lives or bliss in other people's lives, I mean, I think that'll make you happy too. I always try and do that, especially when I'm at a place where, you know, you're being there, it's a checkout or you're, yeah, but let's let's go with the DMV, right? That what could good go wrong will go wrong, and you getting bitchy or snotty with that person whose their job is just to try and help you, and the the moment you get frustrated with them or you start to get snap, they don't deserve that. And even with like this pandemic right now, like going into the grocery stores and things like that, like I'm always so thankful for the people who are working right now and doing these jobs with the masks and the shields and the gloves and like all of the things that you, you, it's not your choice. Like you don't think like, oh, I'm going to put on a mask and gloves and a visor today to go into work. And that's going to be comfortable in a hundred degree heat. So I'm super nice to them because I'm so thankful and thinking like, I wouldn't want to do that job. Whenever I have a moment where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I get real nice real quick. You know what I mean? Like, I think naturally mm -hmm. I'm a nice right. person. I, I hope I hope I yeah, am. Yeah, you are. Um, but I, I'm more thoughtful in those situations because I think I couldn't do that. E e serving. Like, I have never been a waitress or a server <laughs> Because I'm I'm super laid back in the sense of like if somebody gives me the wrong order, like as long as I'm not allergic to it, like I kind of make do, like I'll scrape things off or eat it. It's no mm -hmm. big deal. Mm -hmm. So when I see people like getting so mad at waiters or waitresses, like if I was in their shoes, I'd be like, listen, just scrape off the pickle, eat it. Like so I always I laugh. Know. I'm like, I don't understand. I that. could never do that job because my nature is like, just figure it out. Find a solution. It's it's cooked, it's good. <laughs> So I give mad kudos to people who do those jobs. 
No, I hear you. I don't think I've ever dressed down a waiter or waitress or anything like that. I, I've had some not so proud moments with customer service people where I look back and I'm like, yeah, I was a dick. And so uh, like I'm saying, I strive. I try. I, I think I'm 80 for 20. I hope that's my percentage. I hope to get better. But I know I'm not going to be perfect. Right? I'm going to try to try to have a good batting average. But there are days where it's like, man, yeah, you're some days you're the hammer, some days you're the nail. And you you just try to the days that you're the nail, you try to take it. But I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you gotta, but that's why it's on. That's why it's important to check in with yourself yeah. and, and understand. And I try to tell my friends that like, if I'm a little irritable or I tell Hersh, I tell my wife, I'm like, I'm a little irritable today. Yeah. I'm just letting you know, I'm just, I'm not in a great spot. I think that stuff is really helpful. And I've had friends tell me that are like, I like that you do that because it's like, then I don't feel like I'm setting you off. Like you're just, you're kind of like, you're just kind of pissed off today. It's like, yeah, let people know that. I, I mean, do. Yeah. It's, uh, we grew up in the Midwest. It's like there's tornado watches and warnings. Mm -hmm. A warning is when there's one spot in your area, but watches is like the conditions are right for a tornado. And I'll tell you, I'm on anger watch right now. Yeah. Okay. The conditions are right for me to lose my mind. I haven't quite left it. There's no tornado in the area, but if there is one, it's not your fault. You That's know? super healthy because sometimes, you know, as humans, we wake up and sometimes we're just in a mood. We are just in a mood and it could be a compilation of many things. Or if I'm very pensive, like I get in these modes where I am in a think tank and I don't want to talk and I'm not mad at anyone. I'm not, it's just, I'm thinking or I'm quiet or I'm a little bit shorter. And I, I do the same thing. I'm like, Hey, I'm working on something right now. So, and usually I'll go, if I'm in a mood where I'm like a little crabby, I'll just kind of hide out. Like I'll either stay in my room or I'll go for a walk, like I'll stay away from people because I'm like, yeah, I don't want to put that energy on anyone. And I haven't, you know, it's nice. It'll take me a day to get out of a funk. And I always say, I give myself 24 hours. If you're going to be in a mood girl, you get 24 hours. And then at 24 hours, you better figure out a way to turn it around and like whatever you need to do. And that's usually it. Maybe it's laying in bed all day, or maybe it's watching some funny movies. Like there's just things we need to do as humans to find that balance again. And that's basically one of the great points behind doing a podcast like this is I want people to know that we all have tools and you sharing what you just said. I love the tornado warning and the tornado watch analogy because you, you know that like a storm is brewing and you yeah. can either take shelter. Like for me, I shelter myself. <laughs> like I put myself mm -hmm. in timeout, you know, um, because basically mm -hmm. I don't want my mood. If you think about how energy is transferred to people, think about, a friend or a significant other who's come in after a bad day at work or a uh, bad news or their car broke down or something. And you're like, Oh man, like I feel you in, in standup comedy. It's so important because there are times you step on stage and I think a lot of us as comics, but certainly I, as an extrovert can really feel that energy. And I've stepped on stage multiple times where I knew the room instantly just didn't like me for, for whatever reason. And it's a stage I may be very familiar with or whatever else, but I stepped on stage. They loved the last guy. I, I brought, I was carrying something. I was carrying some energy, some aura that was negative or whatever else. And you don't just give up you, but you're aware of it. You smile, you break the tension, you, you allow it to come to you. The worst thing I think you could do in that situation, for me at least, is to be overly aggressive and try to get ahead of that energy. It's like, okay, tonight, I'm going to have to let the hits come to me. I just have to take the first couple of minutes and let's just chill here a little bit. Let, don't go in overly aggressive. And uh, I think being able to feel the energy, because there are three resources in life. There's time and money. People always talk about mm -hmm. that, but people forget about energy. Energy is patience and it's effort and it's work and it's emotion, how you're feeling. Because people are, should I fly or drive to San Francisco? It's like, they do the math and the time and the clock. And I'm like, yeah, but how will you feel when you get there? Are you up for a 
five, maybe eight hour drive. I mean, it could be five hours, it could be eight. Like, what do you want to do? And all that kind of stuff. And, oh, no, but I need my car when I get there. Okay, well, then drive and all that. But I think people forget like, oh, I'll be tired when I get there. Yes, you'll be tired. Like, you should fly. And the other days you're like, no, man, I got excess energy. I'm ready to do it. Let's just drive. Let's go. Yeah. And, you know, I think people don't give themselves, they don't check in with themselves enough to figure out how am I really feeling? Yeah. That's the first thing I ask uh, Pilates clients when they come in is, uh, well, I ask them, how is your body feeling today? Because mm. I used to ask, how are you feeling today? And then I would mm. get like 20 or 30 minutes of like an emotional dump of stuff that I, I couldn't really help with. Like I could listen, but I'm like, oh, well, right. now we just spent 30 minutes talking about like some, like some stuff, you know, where it's like, I really right. just wanted to know how your body was feeling because I can help you with that today. So I, it took me a couple of years to go, man, some people just sit on the reformer or sit on the, you know, Pilates equipment and go da, 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 like rehash their day. And I'm like, okay, I have to figure out something else to ask. So now I have to ask, right. how is your body feeling today? And that's sometimes that's the first thing that or the first time someone has thought about that in like a week or in that day. So yeah, you got to check in with yourself. You got to ask yourself, how am I feeling? Like, what do I need? And I like the how, and I think it was in psychology today where they were talking about sometimes just write down, like ask, mm. what am I feeling? Because sometimes if you ask, why am I feeling this way? That's not a bad thing to necessarily ask, but don't start with that because you get down on yourself. Like, why am I feeling bad? Yeah, why am I? I have a great wife. I have a great house. I live out here. It's like, well, how dare you feel mm. that way? And then it just compounds, right? Where you go, what am I feeling? And that's a way of getting in touch with your your body or yourself. It's like when people ask you what's on your mind, sometimes people like people have asked me, like, what's on your heart? And that's a very different question. You know, they're like, yo, man, what's on your heart? And you're like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, what's on my heart? That's different from what's on my mind, which turns into a little bit more of a rant. Like rituals or routines that you do. Yes. So I'm a big believer in something i mean i've kind of semi-created i don't know if i've created it but it's called the year of the hustle and i think you and i have talked about this because you've seen the calendar at my place and other things like that i don't have the calendar anymore because i don't need it it was training wheels and i don't think the company that was making the calendar up in toronto makes it anymore but in short it takes two principles which are that it takes 21 days to form a habit which that's been debated a little bit but let's just say it's around that and that um that's something that jerry seinfeld said so who's been into transcendental meditation for 40 plus years. He was at a comedy club and this open micer, you know, I think was a computer programmer or something, saw Jerry Seinfeld very early in his, you know, not even career. And he goes, what advice do you have for me? And got on him for walking up to Seinfeld and asking, Jerry's a nice guy. And, you know, Seinfeld said to him, get a calendar. And the key is to write. You have to write every day. Every day that you write, mark an X on the calendar. And you'll see that you'll have a couple of scattered X's here and there. Then you have like two in a row. Then you might have three in a row. Then you have four in a row. Now your job is don't break the chain. And psychologically, you just start seeing it. And ideally, you have a calendar that is literally the month straight down, January through December, and then just numbers across. You can make it yourself if you want because you get to see X's more in a row. But whatever works for you, visual, et cetera, the idea was to take that but then add in this idea that it takes 21 days to form a habit. So I started with meditation in January. Then in February, I added yoga. And then in March, I added writing for 30 minutes a day. And by December, I had a 
12 different things I was doing, but it took me a year to get there. And now I haven't missed a day of doing all of those things in four years. Like every single day, I've eaten five servings of vegetables, including some greens and fruits. I've drank so much water. I've, I've exercised, done cardio this much. Or I went back to my identity. What am I? Well, I'm a husband. So what does that mean? I'm a comedian. Well, what do comedians do? They write and they perform and you do all this stuff. And it leaves you with little other time to do other stuff, right? It's like I have all the, I have my list. I have, I have to write for 30 minutes today or 90 minutes a day or whatever it is. And I think doing that and feeling like you have goals every day and, but leaving enough flexibility, like it doesn't take 10 hours to do these things. It takes like two, three hours to do them. But the fact that you have to do them keeps you on track. And that makes me happy knowing that I have a plan. Some people that would drive crazy. I think they would hear that and go, oh my gosh, that's so stressful. I want to do that stuff every day. But for others of us who feel like you want direction, I think there are days you wake up and you're directionless. Th those days suck for me. You're like, I don't know how many goals today, blah. Now you do. Now you know the things that you have to do. So just do them. And there's something really validating about accomplishing something for the day. You know, so if you only have four or five things that you do for you every day, like that's an accomplishment. That's you that you get up and you know, you meditate and you write and you work out like, and those things are what keep our mind balanced, they keep our body balanced. And, you know, physical movement is so important for mental health. And that's one thing that people forget, like, okay, you're feeling sad, go for a walk, go for a walk, you'll feel better. You know, and it's just the simplest advice. And like you're saying, it's it's not 10 hours of it. It's a 20 minute walk, walk around the neighborhood, go outside, get some fresh air, change your scenery. Um, so I think that's really beautiful that you did that. And now that you're like in that routine of doing it, that's the hardest thing. The hardest thing is getting started in a routine. And because and once you're in it, you're in it. I completely agree. And I think also we have this thing and I have it too, very much so, which is how I know it exists, is that you set aside 20 minutes to go to Starbucks or you send aside 20 minutes to go for a walk. And then there's a dog barking or this thing, this person in line, or I couldn't park my car. It's like, that is the whole idea of being able to say, whatever happens in these 20 minutes, I'm just going to embrace yeah. it. Whatever happens. Now, obviously, someone comes up and hits you with a tire iron. Yeah, that would suck. There's some things that are empirically terrible. But other than that, other than some really awful thing happening, I think it's just be allowing it to happen and going, these 20 minutes are not, that doesn't mean the world stops. It just means I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a minute. And Louis CK, rest in peace, had Joan Rivers on his show and asked her, you know, for some advice. And he was quitting his, his, uh, his gig that he had in the lounge at this casino. And he goes, so it gets better because she's so much older and, and experienced than he was and rest in peace, of course, to her naturally and, and not a joke. And she goes, honey, it doesn't get better. You get better. Oh, and Joan Rivers, yo, that was so helpful. Like it doesn't get better. You get better. And that's the idea of like, you get up and you go for that walk. And if it sucks and there's loud stuff going on or whatever, it's like, no, man, you're in your space. You took these 20 minutes to yourself. It doesn't matter what the world's doing. Like, just embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's no magical fairy that comes in and makes you happy. You ha It's an inside job, right? So you have to be the one that figures out what makes you tick all the way down to like, when those little things pop up and are frustrating or roadblocks or whatever. It's like, well, okay, well, how are you going to find happiness in this moment and keep yourself happy? Because, you know, that's something we all want you see it so many times, you know, when I get the house or when I get this or when I get that job or when I win the lottery, like then I'll be happy. Then I'll be happy. It's like, well, no, that's not true. You can be happy right now. And 
you know, putting all those pieces in place to to be able to find that. So it's not something that's unattainable. Dave Chappelle said, man, Rajiv is funny. And I think once arguably the funniest person on the planet thinks you're funny, I think that instills you with all sorts of confidence. At that point in time, you just kind of go, the days where you're down or maybe it doesn't go your way, you're like, you know what, man, Dave Chappelle thought I was funny. And so a friend of mine told me that because we were sitting, we were hanging out all day. My friend Azar Usman, he's a comic at Chicago. He knows Chappelle very well and he's open for him a ton of times and hung out with him a bunch. And I've hung out with Chappelle a couple of times, but not nearly as many. And I remember... I had uh, Chappelle knew like knew who I was and all that stuff. But then Uzzer told him a joke that I said, and uh, it was right, right after Michael Jackson passed away by one of my all time idols, of course. And I'm sure for you too, as a dancer, I know I did this joke on stage, I think that night. And I said, you know, it wasn't just the little boys. He, he touched us all. And Uzzer <laughs> told Chappelle that and Chappelle goes, man, Rajiv is funny. You know, like it was just like this. It went, I've been hanging out with Uzzer all day. I go, we've been hanging out for five hours. And he goes, cause I had to sit down and tell you this. I know what a big deal it is. I don't want to just like tell you when we're out running errands or whatever, doing all this stuff. Like I wanted to sit down and look you in the eyes and tell you this. Cause he goes, I know we all get down on ourselves and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. And he goes, I want you to know that your idol thinks that you you've got talent, man. And I was like, Wow. Between that and Ava Longoria telling me I was funny at the Laugh Factory, it's like, what else do you need? Like hot, hot A-list celebrity in her prime asking you for a picture at the Laugh Factory and then Dave Chappelle telling you you're funny. Hey, man, you could die happy. Great. Well, thanks for asking. And you can find me at Funny Indian on Twitter, on Instagram, Funny Indian on Facebook, on YouTube. I think I'm slash Rajiv Satyal. But if you go to funnyindian.com, you'll find all my social media and my videos and the testimonials from Ava Longoria and Dave Chappelle and other people like that. But I do have a question for you before we wrap up, if you have a minute. Define the differences amongst bliss, joy, happiness, pleasure. How do you define those? I don't want people to think that, well, if I don't fit into this box and what bliss means, mm. then I don't have bliss, you know, and bliss and joy and happiness, they're all very similar. Um, mm. I think you can be, you can have blissful moments, you can have happy moments. Um, and I call it like, you can have blips in your bliss, right? Like, like we were saying, like you don't wake up every day and go, I'm super happy and I'm super lovely and, and the day is going good. And then somebody cuts you off and you're like, ah, that's a blip in your bliss. Right. And then you can like right. get back into that nice groove. So I, I want to leave it open to people listening to, to find out what that means to you, because, okay. Because if I define it, then you're going to go, well, I, I, that's not me. I don't have that. I don't have bliss. Mm. I, I also equate it to, if I can give it the characteristic of when you see kids just like running with their hands in the air and like falling into the grass mm -hmm. and like rolling around and giggling, that's bliss. Like it's, it's, it's finding that uninhibited happiness where you're just, you're just living it. It's like a momentary thing. So I know that was a long winded answer to that. I love it. But you know, I think it's different for everyone. And I don't want people listening to go, well, well, I can't have it then. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. No, I, I like the open-ended nature of it, but that's really helpful to me as well. I appreciate yeah. that. So, all right, Rajiv, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, have a wonderful, blissful day. You do the same. Thank you, Jamie. Really appreciate it. Great to see you. Yay!
<laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. If you would like more information about me or what I'm working on, please go to theblisssociety.com. Or if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at blisssocietyla.